Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Kei te whakarongo mai koe ki tō tātou au horihori. He hōtakei pāna ki tō tātou au whānui. This is our changing world on RNZ National and now solar weather and geomagnetic storms. That's the sound of the sun as it pulses in and out like a beating heart. The sound is usually at a very low frequency, but that recording was made by the SOHO spacecraft over many days and then speeded up by a factor of 42,000 to make it audible. The sun might be nearly 150 million kilometres away from us, but it's so large and produces so much energy that what happens on the sun can have dramatic impacts on Earth. And since we've come to rely so much on power-hungry technologies, we've become more vulnerable to those impacts. To find out what effect the sun can have on electricity supplies, Alison heads to the University of Otago to chat with space physicist Craig Roger. In a sense, space does have weather. And it is a bit like storms. You end up with these things happening on the sun which cause a storm in the space around the Earth. And that feels more like, well, weather than most other physical processes that I know. So wind is part of that? Wind is part of it. So the surface of the sun is so unbelievably hot that it boils off into space. And so there's this gentle breeze coming from the surface of the sun, blowing out in all directions from the sun out into space. And when it gets to Earth, if it's in a normal sort of gentle state, it, it wafts past us at about 300, 400 kilometres a second. So that gentle breeze that normally wafts past Earth, as you say, that's not a problem for us. Why is it not a problem? The Earth has a magnetic field. The source of the solar wind is this incredibly hot outer atmosphere of the sun. That's so hot that the, the electrons have become removed from the atoms, so it's charged. So the solar wind is charged. So the solar wind flows out. It's carrying the magnetic field of the sun. When the magnetic field of the sun, carried by the solar wind, gets to the Earth, it interacts with the magnetic field of the Earth. And effectively, the magnetic field of the Earth shields us from most of the effects of the solar wind when it's being gentle. And so it just flows around the Earth like if you had a rock in a stream. So you just end up with a flow pattern uh, around, the, around the Earth's magnetosphere, it's called. The, that's the area where the, the magnetic field of the Earth dominates, magnetosphere. And because of that, for most of the Earth, the solar wind never touches our atmosphere. It's only in the polar regions where the magnetic field opens up and a little bit of solar wind can all go down that hole in the North Pole and the South Pole, and that's background aurora. 
It's the solar wind calming down those field lines, causing a little bit of aurora, the gentle aurora, the background aurora, the stuff that you have to go to the Arctic or the Antarctic to see. And that's the only way it interacts with our atmosphere in quiet conditions. But the impression I get from this is that it's not always quiet. So what happens when it ramps up? Okay, well, again, we have to go back to the sun. So the sun is a gigantic ball of burning gas, and it's spinning. So you've got this really, really hot spinning object which has a magnetic field embedded in it, and because it's spinning and it's a ball of gas, it turns out that the equatorial regions, the regions in the middle of the sun, don't have to spin at the same rate as the polar regions, because it's a ball of gas, it's not solid, so it can spin at a different rate. That causes the magnetic field of the sun to get twisted. Effectively, you can imagine the idea of having a rubber band, and you've got a rubber band, and you're just wrapping it around the middle of the sun, again and again and again and again, and you're just stretching that rubber band. Now, everybody can see from this analogy that eventually the rubber band is going to decide that it's just had enough. It's not going to be in this state anymore, and it's going to reorganize itself into a less stretched state, a less tense state. So it's a lot like a catapult in that sense. You get the, the, the magnetic field reorganizing itself into a into a better state and as part of that a massive amount of energy is released and it literally takes a chunk of the sun and throws it out into space that's called a coronal mass ejection millions of tons of material being blasted out into space you can imagine it like a pillow like it's a million ton sized pillow that's been thrown out from the sun it's traveling through the magnetic field of the sun that's travelling outwards in the solar wind. And then the question is, where is it going? Maybe it's directed nowhere, and it's just going to sail out, go 100 astronomical units, 100 times the distance between the Earth and the sun, get to the edge of the solar system and just disappear. Maybe it's going to crash into one of the planets, though, and maybe that planet will be us. Could be. It happens. <laughs> because it doesn't travel in a straight line, because it's travelling along the magnetic field of the sun, which we can't see, it's actually really hard to work out if it's going to crash into the earth. You look at the sun and you say, OK, there's a coronal mass ejection. They're not hard to spot. All right? Very so you hot. can see them, take photographs of them? You can. You need to be in space uh, looking at the sun, and then you have to deal with the fact that the sun is incredibly bright, and so what you do is you actually black out the sun. So you put a little disc where the sun is, and then you look at the glowing gas around the sun, and then you can see them really, really, really clearly. And you see these blasts coming off the sun in different directions. And sometimes, though, you don't see what seems to be a blast travelling away. You see what they call a full halo. Now, the way I like to describe a full halo is imagine a person with a shotgun. That's the sun, okay? If the person in the shotgun turns to their left and pulls the trigger, you will see a cloud of shot moving away. If they turn to the right and pull the trigger, you'll see a cloud of shot moving away. If they point it at you and pull the trigger briefly, you will see a ring of shot heading towards you, and then obviously bad things will happen. Okay, so a full halo event is when these science spacecraft, which are located, say, halfway between the Earth and the Sun, are looking at the Sun, and instead of seeing this pillow of gas go out into space, they see a full halo coming at them. And so we know it's roughly Earth-directed. And then the question is, is it actually Earth-directed? And there's a huge amount of research going on into this now. Now, if they hit us, 
you've got a million tons of plasma crashing into the Earth's magnetic field. The Earth's magnetic field will largely protect us, but it'll get shrunk, it'll get pushed down, it'll get crushed. And that process of changing the magnetic field sets up currents because a changing magnetic field induces currents. That's Faraday's law. And it triggers all sorts of processes in the space around the Earth. And it's those sorts of processes that lead to the interesting part of space weather, the reason why it's worth uh, studying space weather, which is the impact on technology. You know, in the same way that uh, a major hurricane can rip off people's roofs or can flood roads or can kill people, you know, implications that we care about, these solar storms, these coronal mass ejections, can cause effects in, in our technological systems which have an economic, social impact on our lives. Such as, give me an example. Okay, well one of the classic examples is that satellites can die. Your typical sort of geostationary satellite uh, uh, is, is roughly 200 to 300 million dollars. In, in cost to replace. So they're seriously expensive. And these space weather events can cause them to simply die or maybe to go into, a, into an unhappy mode. So there was a great example about five years ago. Galaxy 15 turned into a zombie. So Galaxy 15 was a communication satellite and uh, a space weather event occurred and its electronics got all messed up and basically, it continued to work, which is to say it was broadcasting, but it wouldn't listen to any commands, and it drifted in an out-of-control way around the world. And so they were trying to move satellites out of the way of the zombie and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but the really good thing was, six months later, it ran out of power, rebooted itself from safe mode, and started talking again. And so it turns out that zombification can wear off with spacecraft. And then they drove it back around the world to where it was meant to be, and it's all working normally again. But sometimes it's a complete loss, sometimes it's damage. And what impact do these coronal mass ejections have on things like electricity here on Earth, and you know, our transmission systems? Yeah. So essentially, I mentioned earlier that uh, Faraday's law means we're going to have currents induced in conductors when you have a changing magnetic field. Now, the best example of a, of a conductor in which a current can be induced is a power line. A long electrical power line will end up having a current induced in it. And that's a current that's not expected to be there. And so for most uh, electrical networks around the world, they have not set it up to deal with these currents that are not meant to be there. So the classic example is actually from 1989, it is a long time ago, there was a really big storm with really large changing magnetic fields and this triggered a bunch of the safety systems in Quebec and all of the hydro dams in Quebec got removed from the power grid. And for a lot of people, it was six to 12 hours in which there was no power. For some people, it was a couple of days in which there was no power. And it turned out it was during a really intense winter cold period. It was not a good time to have no power. And so that, that really started to focus people's minds on how this could be an issue. It has happened in New Zealand in 2001. There was uh, the biggest storm we've had in 15 years. And within seconds of this storm uh, kicking off, there was a transformer in Dunedin, in Halfway Bush, which was knocked out, destroyed. 
In Christchurch, there was uh, a transformer that tripped at the same time, but it wasn't destroyed. It just had to be pulled out of service at that point. And a few other locations around the South Island were reporting warnings. But there wasn't actually even a power cut because Transpower's got a whole lot of redundancy in the network so that they can do maintenance. What we're interested in is that these solar storms, sometimes they're small, they're just pretty, you know, you just see a little bit of a roar in the sky. Sometimes they're quite big. Sometimes they're as big as the last, you know, the biggest event in 10 years. And sometimes they're bigger still. And what we're just realizing now is that there are these solar storms that are coming along at the 1 in 100 year level-ish. And they're huge, absolutely gigantic. And we're not sure how well our systems will cope with that. And that's where a lot of research is going into now. So the, the, one of the classic events uh, it was May 1921. There was a gigantic storm. Uh, we know about that because there were good magnetic field measurements made in 1921, but the electrical network was nowhere near as complicated as it, as it is now. So we're much more vulnerable now. Effectively, we're much more vulnerable now, exactly. Uh, and a small number of years ago, there was a report done by the United States National Academy of Science, and they looked at what would happen to the modern US power grid if a 1921 storm occurred. And they came to the conclusion that roughly 20% of it would be taken out and it would, it would take perhaps a year to rebuild the electrical network to its former state. Uh, and the cost, they're talking somewhere between a half and $3 trillion. So do we have any idea what the, the comparable risk here in New Zealand would be? I guess we have some rough feeling. In the United Kingdom, two years ago, the Royal uh, Engineering Society did a report and they looked at the, the threat to the UK of a similar sort of storm and they thought that there probably would be a blackout and the blackout might last for maybe the whole country for six hours, nine hours, something like that. And then there'd be regions which might have uh, big problems until they could bring some of their spare transformers into play. And they, had, they, they believed they had enough spare transformers that they'd be able to reinstall and bring uh, the network back into action in uh, a couple of months. And, and, and it would only be a small, small regions that had problem problems for those small number of months. So that, that doesn't, I mean, that actually doesn't sound so bad, really, if you're talking about a 100-year storm. Magnetically, we're more like the UK than we are like the United States. And that's because we're further south? Because we're, close, we're closer to the poles. Yeah. Uh, and also we're, we're an island country. And so that, that plays a role. And so we're, we're... Does the sea make us more vulnerable somehow? The sea changes the way that the currents are going to be flowing around. And knowing what the risk is requires you to look at the nature of the ground, the nature of the sea around the, the ground, and the specific setup of the electrical network. And so basically, every country is going to be different. So we are now working with uh, some collaborators from Britain and, of course, Transpower, and when I say we, it's the University of Otago and Victoria University in Wellington. We're working with this group of international people and Transpower to go see what the risk is in New Zealand. And that was Craig Roger from the Physics Department at the University of Otago. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.